Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. All right, man. I'm sorry. I said my name a little kind of uh, combative there. Yeah, I don't know what was mad going at me? on. No, I am not mad at you. Okay, all right, good. I think I meant to say, my name is Matt. There you go. But when I said it out loud, it kind of came out as like I was mad. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm excited to be here with you, man. We, uh, we've got a great listener question episode. Every other Monday, we take listener questions, and we've got five good ones, man, on this episode. We're going to answer one about a pool. There's a guy, he's, he's kind of wondering whether or not uh, he should have a pool in their backyard, or maybe if they should move to accommodate that. In particular, I'm excited because I know this is something that y'all have considered a, a little bit. You guys love the pool. And so I'm excited to, to talk about this for you guys. Specifically. You, you've mostly been trying to convince me to get one and <laughs> spend my money, which... The best pool is the one that you don't have to, to clean yourself. <laughs> and pay for. <laughs> or pay for. But we've got that question. We've got one about paying off a car loan as well as multiple streams of income and our thoughts on that. Uh, I'm excited to tackle all of those questions today, man. Yeah, should be good. A lot of good questions uh, from our listeners, which I always appreciate. Yeah, but first, man, I wanted to uh, ask you on the show here. I know we've talked about the Tooth Fairy before, but uh, we, Kate and I, we've had to revisit that because our kids have finally started losing their teeth. <laughs> our oldest, 
her teeth do not want to come out of her mouth. Uh, they have not gotten loose at all. And finally, one started wiggling uh, a few weeks ago, and she finally lost her first tooth. And she's 18. So. <laughs> she's like a grown adult, but all of her teeth are tiny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's one thing I am kind of like going to miss because I feel like little kids when they have the, the tiny little teeth, it's kind of like the last holdover of them being little kids. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Once they start getting those big kid teeth in, it's all downhill from there. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, I couldn't remember how much y'all paid per tooth because that's something that was a bridge that we had across recently. And I'll go ahead and say that we decided on one dollar, which sounds kind of cheap. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what the going rate is for the tooth fairy right now. We're doing a buck fifty, most, okay. mostly because my kids like the bills and the coins, and so we we're like, all right, buck fifty kind of works works nicely. Nice, get a little combination of both. Well, okay, yeah. So we we went, we decided to go with a dollar, but we were a little worried that we were being cheap because like a dollar doesn't that doesn't get you far these days. You That's know? true. But what we decided we well we thought ahead and we realized that man we've got four kids and that is a lot of teeth in our future that we're gonna have to pay money for which sounds kind of silly, you know, when you say it out loud. And so we were like, you know what? We don't have to spend a lot of money. What if instead we just kind of make it extra special? And this is mostly Kate saying this. And so what we did was we created this little package, you know, like a little tooth fairy package, four quarters, stacked them up on top of each other, made a little package. Uh, but before we packaged it, Kate sprinkled, uh, put a little bit of glue on there, like real lightly, and then sprinkled a little bit of glitter so that the, uh, the glitter would stick to the quarters to make it extra special. And we determined that that was a way for us to kind of go the frugal route, not be cheap. In this case, we felt that finding a way to package it and make it extra special was a way. Like that was going to mean more to our girls. Because obviously they're all like gathered around, you know, as she was unwrapping it. And, and so it was a fun experience for all of them. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a great move, man. For it, man? Yeah, it's all not, right. it's not all about the amount of money they get. And I think it's really important to, to share with our kids how we can make everyday things more fun and how even something like the tooth fairy, it's not necessarily about how much money she brings, but it's kind of about the excitement yeah, and the whole experience. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, with a little bit of gold glitter and a little <laughs> packaging, you can make a, a $1 go a really long way. And I think, yeah, especially with our kids, there's a whole lot of areas where we can do that, where it's not necessarily the dollar amount that becomes the most crucial play. It's how we build things up. It's how we talk about them. And then it's also how we package stuff. And yeah, I think oftentimes the the tiniest gifts can go the furthest way and can be the most meaningful and memorable gifts that our kids receive. Yeah, man, our tooth fairy, she doesn't have deep pockets, but she's got good branding. So. Yeah, yeah, good sense of style. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, let's mention the beer that we're having on the show today. This one is called Subluminal, and it's an imperial stout. It's a collaboration between Buxton Brewery and Stillwater Artisanal. I'm really excited to have this one on the show with you today, my friend. Yeah, maybe we'll share our thoughts on this particular beer at the end of the episode. And for all of our listeners out there, we want you to know that you can submit your own listener questions at howtomoney.com forward slash ask. That is a, a simple way for you to just record a simple, easy voice memo and send that our way. And we would love to, to get that on the show. So Joel, let's go ahead and set up our, our first question. This one is about earning more money. Hi, Joel and Max. This is Mike from Chicago. I had a question in regards to side hustles or multiple streams of income. I find that to be really important. And while I have two jobs, I have a full-time and a part-time, I would like to also add some more streams of income. I'm pretty busy and I'm hoping to find some ways where I can add in a couple more income streams. I'm just curious on some ideas on how to do it for the busy guy or woman who is finding it hard to squeeze something else in and doesn't have that much time to dedicate to it. Would appreciate your ideas. 
looking forward to hear from you and great job on the show. Well, first, Max. Who's Max, Joel? <laughs> That's you, apparently. <laughs> it's it's actually funny that we just, uh, at the beginning of this episode, talked about my name a little bit more. But Mike, Michael, maybe I'll call you Michael. <laughs> no, Mike, I totally forgive you. Joel, it's actually funny. So because my last name has an X in it, at the very end of my last name, I often do get Max uh, in emails sometimes from folks who don't know me if they're just kind of like reaching out to the show or someone that's just emailing me. Uh, they kind of take the first name, last name, kind of smush it together. They're just being efficient. Well, if that's the case, I actually don't mind at all. But uh, Plus, but, Max is a cool name, man. Max is pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with it. All right, let's get to, to Mike's <laughs> question. And Mike, it does sound like you're super busy, man. And so the solution for someone who's incredibly busy isn't necessarily to pick up additional side hustles because then you're essentially trading time for money and time is something that you don't have much of. So let's talk about ways to automate some of your income, ways to find passive income and achieving that because that's really what you need to focus on here as, as someone who has a lot going on already. Yeah, Mike, that's going to be a little more ideal because you want your money earning money for you, not necessarily yourself to be earning money for you since you're short on time. And the first thing we want to touch on here is that, you know, passive income, it's such an interesting phrase, you know, it sounds so good, but to actually achieve passive income, it actually does take some real work. Um, The easiest way to, to truly get passive income is through investing in the market. You know, the more that you can invest money for the future and let it compound, the less that you'll actually have to work in the future. You know, and that doesn't involve a side hustle or, or really much effort at all. It just takes the, the fundamental practice of spending less than you make and then just taking some simple steps like setting up some automatic purchases within your retirement or your brokerage account. Yeah, that's why investing in the market is so great for so many people because we are busy, right? We've got family or relationships. We've got work. There's so much going on in life. And the the easiest way to make our money work well for us is just to pull that trigger of putting it in retirement accounts and, and letting it compound for us over the long haul. Every other attempt at passive income is going to require that you spend some time in order to build it up, something you're kind of short on, Mike. So the best example of how passive income can work well over time with some of your time is rental real estate. It's also capital intensive. So you'll need to have extra cash that you are ready to invest. You know, you, you got to save up that down payment in order to, to buy that first piece of real estate. You'll have passive income, but not until after you've put in that time to save up the down payment. And then also at the same time, learning about real estate in your area. I like to think of generating passive income as similar to planting a tree, right? It takes time. It takes nurturing. You have to water that baby tree as it's growing up. You might need to stake it up along the way while it's getting bigger. But down the road, when that tree is self-sustaining, it's going to provide, let's say, apples or peaches or you know whatever tree you planted. Ah, fruit tree. Yeah, exactly. Every single year for years to come uh, with very little effort on your part. But there is that massive role you play in the beginning years before you get to that point. Basically, there's a, a direct relationship between the upside of passive income and the amount of time you need to spend up front in order to make it a success. You know, some people call baby trees saplings, but uh, I kind of like baby tree though. Like if you go to a nursery and you're like, oh, hey there, baby tree. Where are the baby trees at? And then you see like a, a bigger tree and you're like, oh, hey there, teenage tree. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I agree, man. There are ways for you to, to earn money more quickly and more immediately, but those ways aren't necessarily sustainable when it comes to the long term. But there are easier ways, you know, like sure, you could totally rent out, you know, your unused car, maybe on a site like Turo. You can go smaller with those real estate dreams and forego that down payment instead. You can rent out a room in your home. 
You know, those are, are simpler to get off the ground and they could provide you with a meaningful return. And they allow you to, to make money from the things you already own. So that's another bonus. But they also require time, which it sounds like that you are short on. And so we would much rather see you put your efforts towards something that you're growing more for, for passive income for the long run, not necessarily uh, the cash grab here and now. Yeah, yeah. Multiple streams of income is, is a great goal to have. That's been important to me for a lot of years. It can provide stability as fluctuations occur in the job market. Having two jobs already gives you some of that stability, right? If you lost one, you've got this other one that's providing you meaningful income right now. But passive income is something that takes years to truly create. And you need time or money or both to get started in most cases. So take a minute, uh, Mike, and consider what might work for you and slowly start working in that direction. While at the same time, using some of the income that you're making right now and start putting that into those retirement accounts as much as you possibly can, that's the the easy button, essentially, when it comes to generating passive income years down the road. But best of luck as you attempt to generate other passive streams of income in your life. It's a worthwhile goal. It's just not an, an easy one to attain. That's right. Focus on growing that tree, that little baby tree. The baby tree. Think of baby Groot from uh, Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Exactly. <laughs> not just the uh, the immediate apple. Well, all right, Joel, that's one down. We've got four more, including one uh, later on that we're going to get to about what to do with a large chunk of cash. We'll get to all of those right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. 
Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, we're back from the break. We're going to get to a question about paying off a car note uh, in just a minute. But before we get to that, we've got a, a listener who wants to help her mom who's near retirement. Hey, guys, this is Michelle from Minneapolis. I'm a fairly new listener, but I've binged most of your old episodes, and I really appreciate all of your good advice. This is kind of a follow-up to the Planning for Aging Parents episodes. My mom is 67 and still working because she has very little retirement. She had some hardships earlier in her adult life and basically just started saving about eight years ago. Her job is extremely stressful, so I'd like her to retire as soon as possible to reduce her stress and start enjoying life. My brothers, my mom, and I have discussed the option of living with one of them in Maryland or living with me in Minnesota, which isn't exactly a great place for retirement. Her dream is to retire in a 55-plus community in Florida, but that's just not possible when living primarily off Social Security. I'm in a really good place financially, and I would like to help my mom live out her retirement in a way that she deserves. So her and I are now talking about the idea of me buying her a home in one of these communities while she pays me a little bit of rent to help offset the costs. My question is, what is the best way to go about this? I would like to take advantage of the low interest rates right now and avoid putting down more than 20%, which I think is something you have to do when it's considered an investment property or a second home. I've heard of a loan from Fannie Mae called the Family Opportunity Mortgage that is designed for these situations, but I really don't know much about it. Do most banks offer this type of loan or do I have to go through a special service? And what else should I take into account when considering such a big endeavor? And maybe what are some other financial slash tax benefits to retiring in Florida versus other states? Thanks, guys. Joel, we're all getting older. You know, it's time to cue the uh, Fleetwood Mac, you know, <laughs> landslide. <laughs> you know that song? Of course. Okay. It's a, it's a classic. It is. Oh, totally. And one other thing, Michelle, she, she mentioned binging, uh, which obviously made me think of watching a bunch of TV. Have you guys been watching anything? Because since Baby Groot left the scene and we kind of got all caught up on our Marvel movies, dude, we haven't watched anything. <laughs> so I actually took your advice and I watched Dark. Oh, did you watch Dark? On Netflix. Oh, nice. Incredible. Oh, okay. Good. I'm glad because I made that recommendation having not seen it myself. <laughs> 
I haven't found the time yet to watch that, you know, maybe when Kate's like out of town or something like that for the weekend. I need to find, you know, a couple of evenings where I can hit a bunch of those episodes back to back, do some binging of myself. But that, that one is dark, of course. It's uh, aptly named, As right? the name would suggest, but it yeah. is incredibly worthwhile. Very, not, a very, very good show. Not unlike this beer, by the way. I'm looking forward to mentioning this one. It's very dark tasting. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get to Michelle's question. Michelle, parental retirement questions can be so tricky to navigate, right? And so much of that comes down to how your family talks about money, or in most cases, doesn't talk about money. <laughs> that can most make, likely the case. Yeah, that can make those, those discussions maybe happening for the first time really hard to have. And two, those sibling dynamics can be really hard to work through at the same time, depending on how close you guys are. So just know that going into it. My, my parents, well, they're in a, a similar space. They're they're getting up there, but they're still working, and they're working tough jobs that require long hours and a lot of hard work. And so, yeah, I'm kind of hoping that they're going to push the retirement button soon as well. But I will say your mom's really lucky. It sounds like she has multiple kids, including yourself, who are really, really looking out for her and, and doing their best to help her out in her retirement years. So, yeah, kudos to you and your brothers for doing your best to help your mom in the coming years. So, Michelle, let's address specifically what you mentioned. You, you talked about the family opportunity mortgage, and it really does sound like it could be a great fit for you. Uh, and it's honestly probably the best route for you to take. For everyone else out there, we'll link to Fannie Mae's website where it outlines the conditions that would allow for individuals to purchase a second home as a primary residence. But here's what it says on the, on the website. It says that if the parent is unable to work or does not have sufficient income to qualify for a mortgage on his or her own, the child is considered the owner slash occupant. And, and so as a child of aging parents, you can supply housing for them and obtain the same rates, the fees, uh, and the, the lending flexibility as if you were buying your own home to live in, Michelle. You'll also be allowed to purchase the home with only 5% down. So that's another benefit, even though we do still recommend 20% down to avoid any additional PMI if possible. And when it comes to where to find this type of loan, we would recommend for you to, to reach out to a mortgage broker for more information. But just realize that different lenders might call it by different names. Uh, they may not necessarily call it the family opportunity mortgage, like you mentioned. But regardless, you will have to prove that your mom can't qualify on her own income. So definitely be prepared for that. Yeah. If you talk to a mortgage broker and they're confused, make sure you have that link that we'll put in the show notes to the page on Fannie Mae's site that explains in detail how this works. And other possibilities for you to help your mom include giving her down payment assistance or just co-signing on a mortgage that she would take out. You could also buy a home and rent it out to her. Uh, but since the Fannie Mae guidelines give you access to the best possible terms, I think that's better than all the other routes that you could take. If you can secure the best terms, like you were getting your own personal residence, which you can if you can prove that your mom wouldn't qualify, then this is a better route than, than those alternatives. And then you also were asking about some other considerations. You know, you say that you're in a great financial position yourself, but hopefully your brothers are, are also in a good position as well. And you know, maybe they could chip in some uh, in addition to what your mom will be contributing. But, but either way, we want to make sure that you are doing a really, really good job communicating with everyone as to what you know, the ex expectations are. Because in the end, if, you know, you're going to be on the hook for the payment if this loan is in your name. I'm thinking signing a, a contract, that's probably going to be a step too far considering we're talking about family here. 
But even expectations written out in an email can be really helpful for everyone to refer back to uh, if things get a little bit hairy. Sometimes just the, the very act of writing things down will help folks to kind of stick to it uh, a little bit more and, and kind of provides a little more structure, a little more framework uh, when it comes to everyone you know, following through with what they agreed to do. Yeah. And oftentimes in a situation where there are multiple siblings taking care of elderly parents, the burden can fall more on one sibling than the others. And so, uh, Michelle, it's important to make sure you're having regular conversations with your brothers in order to make sure that no one feels taken advantage of when it comes to the money that you're putting up or, or the time that you're investing to help your mom. And obviously, it's a labor of love for you. Like you love your mom and you want to help her out, but you want to make sure that all the siblings are on the same page. And I agree, Matt, that anything you can put in writing is going to help. And, and then having those continued conversations is, is a massive benefit as well. On the, the tax benefits, of where to retire, Michelle, that's uh, the last thing you asked. Well, so much of it comes down to state taxes on why people decide to, to live where they live when they're done working. And part of the reason a place like Florida is such a popular destination for retirees is that there's no state income tax. And in addition, it's pretty sunny. There's beaches, there's pools. Uh, it's Warm temperatures are also good on the aching joints. Yeah, I've heard. Exactly. So no wonder. Uh, I mean, maybe that's where I'll end up when I'm older too. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that might be where us old millennials go to retire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Florida could be a trend for a long time to come. But yeah, that means essentially that social security income, money from retirement accounts and pension income all of those do not get taxed at the state level in Florida. So her money ends up going a lot further. That's really the biggest consideration, that and the weather, that, that people make when they're trying to decide where they're going to settle down in their in their golden years. And so, Michelle, it sounds like you, uh, as well as your brothers, are doing a great job talking about this, working together. You're doing a great job stepping up and taking care of your mom. The biggest thing for you specifically is we want to make sure that you continue to be in a solid place financially. And so make sure that you have all of your personal money ducks in a row because we want you operating from a position of strength where you're able to continue to help your mom down the road. No doubt. All right, Matt, let's get on to the next question uh, that's up today. This one is about paying off a car. Hi, Joel. Hi, Matt. This is Robin from Seattle. Late last year, my old beater car of 14 years old was totaled in an accident. So because I drive a lot, I took out a car loan with about $8,000 remaining balance on it at about 12% interest. I drive a lot and I didn't have any credit before. So this was an opportunity to me to build my credit and it worked. Now my bank has approved me for a credit line of about $6,500 at 0% APR for the first 15 months. I'm thinking of putting a chunk of my auto loan onto that card that I could probably easily pay off within the 15 months. I'm hoping I can reduce the interest that I pay on the loan by doing so, but I also worry that if I move too much of my auto loan to the card, it'll mess up my rate of usage. Would it? How much would you guys suggest that I move? Any advice would be super appreciated. I'm hoping to build my credit so that I can eventually buy a house, even though the market is quite high here. I just love it here so much. Thank you for everything that you guys do. Love your show. Much appreciated. Bye. Robin, eesh, I hope you're okay after after that accident and that you're not physically affected and don't have any long-term physical effects. Getting in an accident is just it's the worst for so many reasons. Yeah, it sucks, man. Especially when it's your own fault. You know, it's bad financially, but it's even it's even worser when it is your fault. And then you you know you see your your insurance rates skyrocket as oh, well. That's the worstest. The worst. Yeah. Is there anything beyond worstest? Uh, uh-uh, I don't think so. Okay. And I don't even think actually either <laughs> one of those words is is grammatically correct. No, they're totally legit. Dog. <laughs> okay. All right. We just said them. 
All right. Well, uh, Robin, let's get into the heart of your question. And having a, a car note at a 12% interest rate, that's really, really high, especially in today's environment. But I'm so glad that having that loan has benefited your credit score. And it sounds like it's done it in a big way. It's really important for you in particular right now to know what your credit score is. So Matt and I would suggest going to a site like Credit Karma or creditscorecard.com so you can know with more certainty if you're going to be able to qualify for the best rates out there. Those sites will give you a whole lot of credit score information for free. It doesn't cost you any money. So if you're getting a sweet 0% offers right now, chances are that your score has improved a great deal and you might be potentially even in top tier status, able to qualify essentially for uh, the best rates that are out there. Yeah, when it comes to the actual numbers, you know, some specific scores, we're typically talking about 740 or above here. So Robin, it, it really might make the most sense for you to, to refi that car uh, instead uh, in order to get the, the full balance paid off at a much lower rate. We would recommend for you to check with a local credit union if you are a member. Uh, if not, we would recommend for you to go find one. You know, that relationship will be invaluable through the years, especially since you're, you're talking about potentially buying a home there in the future. In regards to your car loan, you might be able to get a rate closer to, to 4%. Uh, you know, and that's obviously not as good as 0% like you've been offered by your current bank. But you know, if you were to refi, you wouldn't get caught in a, in a circumstance where you couldn't pay back that balance within that shorter amount of time. Right, Like we're talking about 15 months here. Once you get that card, the clock starts ticking. Yeah. Another thing with having that car loan as well is that it's considered an installment loan versus a credit card, which is considered revolving credit. And it's good to have both in your credit mix if you're trying to build a great credit score. And and since you're talking about buying a home, Robin, having that really low rate on the car loan can help you get approved for the best mortgage rates possible too. Transferring a, a huge chunk of that balance and maxing out that card is going to hurt your credit score. And if you're applying for a mortgage, anytime in the near future, it's just not worth it. It's not the best move to make, especially when you can refi that car loan at a pretty incredibly low rate right now. Yeah, Robin. So if you qualify refinancing, either way, it's a slam dunk decision because I mean, the costs are typically next to nothing, if not completely free. And so then on top of that, whether or not you transfer that remaining balance, you know, to that 0% card, like a lot of it really does depend on your personal motivation because, you know, it really might make sense for you to take advantage of this great credit score that you've worked to achieve uh, and knock out a lot of this interest. You know, what's the point of having a good credit score if you're not necessarily going to use it? But we want to make sure more than anything, though, that you set yourself up to, to be in a position to where you don't have a balance after that 15 months. You don't want to be in a position to where that interest rate skyrockets and shoots up to 18, 22%, something way beyond even the 12% that you are currently paying on your car loan. You know, so moving debt around to, to save money on interest, it, it's not a bad move, but you, you also just want to make sure that you're being careful here. It's helpful if you can map out how you're going to knock out that 0% car, that balance within that 15 months. Yeah, mapping it out is, is crucial, having a game plan, and then also getting motivated to pay off debt. It, it sounds like Robin is motivated, but the more motivation you can add into your life, I feel like the easier it is to take any additional money you have and start throwing it in that direction. Yeah, Robin, get after it. <laughs> Put a message up on Keep on it going on your bathroom mirror, whatever it takes. You know, anything that that gets you pumped, gets you motivated to continue to pay down that debt. 
quickly. Most of the time, I think that's a that's an even bigger lever and an even more important thing than getting a lower interest rate. Yeah, Joel. So you know, our kids have been doing virtual schooling, and one of uh, our second graders' assignments was that she had to create this. I don't know if it was a bookmark or this little page, but on one side she had to draw and color something that she loved or kind of maybe represented her. And so on that side, she you know drew a rainbow because she loves rainbows. And on the other side, she was supposed to put a quote. And I don't think she knew what a quote was. <laughs> I mean, like we know it. It's not something we've necessarily talked about. I think maybe the teacher was expecting that they would find, uh, with the help of their parents, uh, a quote by someone famous. Like Shakespeare or something. Yeah. Aristotle, <laughs> something. <laughs> ben Bernanke, you know, maybe like a financial quote you know, from, from dad here. However, she didn't know that. And so she wrote her own quote <laughs> uh, and she quoted herself. And it was, you can do it. Keep it up. Work hard. I know you can do it, <laughs> which was super cute. She was able to kind of like dig within herself and find, you know, for her, her quote was like as motivational. And, and so I think that's what's important here, Robin, that you're able to to find a way to really just go after and attack this debt because it's easy to overthink and kind of get bogged down in the interest rate and the details. And so just like Joel mentioned here, the biggest lever that you can pull is your ability yourself to attack this debt, to focus and to completely be done with it. So Robin, best of luck as you're crushing this debt. I'm sure you'll be done with it in no time because it sounds like you're super focused. And that's what it takes to get rid of nasty debts that are hanging around in your life. Uh, all right, Matt, let's get to a couple more questions, including one about whether or not to build a pool. We'll get to that right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. 
Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, Joe, we are back from the break, and we've knocked out three out of five questions. We've got two more to go, including this one about pools. And we're not talking about Waze carpool. We're talking about the kind that you swim in. Hey, guys, this is Brandon out of Austin, Texas. I had a question for you. My wife and I have been considering putting in a pool for a few years. Our HOA doesn't have access to a pool and it gets really hot here in the summer. We have two boys ages two and four that will really enjoy the pool uh, over their lifetime and we don't plan on moving here for a long time. Um, if we were going to put in the pool though, we priced out well. What if we moved to another house that either had a pool or had access to a pool in their HOA? And we found a really awesome new community that has a pool. Um, it would be the same payment for the mortgage at the new house as it would be if we just stayed here and continued paying our current mortgage plus our loan payments on the home equity loan it would take to build the pool. So it's kind of a wash either way. But if we stay here, we're all paid off in 17 years. Uh, at the new house, we'd be starting over with a 30-year note. Want to hear your thoughts? And a second idea I wanted to throw out there was that we were thinking of selling our house initially, but we actually qualify for the new house without having to sell our house. So we thought about maybe keeping our current home and just renting it out as a long-term rental. What do you think about the idea of doing that? I'm just concerned that we'd be on the hook for two mortgages, and that's potentially a lot of money to have to come up with every month if we don't have it occupied Appreciate uh, everything you guys do and look forward to hearing back from you. All right, Brandon, thanks for your question. A pool in Texas? That sounds really nice. Yeah, it sounds necessary. <laughs> it's so hot <laughs> down there. Especially, you know, when you've got young kids, I think yeah, a pool can provide just a whole lot of fun on the evenings, on the weekends for your family. Uh, our family, Matt, as you alluded to earlier in the show, we hit up the pool quite a bit during the typical summer. We usually go to the YMCA pool. But uh, it was shut down for most of the summer due to COVID. When they did open it up, it was uh, there were just a, you know 25 people allowed in at a time in this massive space. 
Uh, we still ended up going quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, I'm not going to lie. Emily and I, while it was shut down, we kind of started talking about it semi-seriously. Like, do we put a pool in or not? And you know, ultimately, that's a, a really big decision to make. And we weren't ready to do something like that. We didn't even really get to serious, serious conversations. But for Brandon, it sounds like they're there. They're really starting to think about making a big move and, and installing a pool. Yeah, and that's exciting. And, and here's the thing. I think maybe a lot of folks would say, okay, Matt and Joel, they're totally going to come on and shut this guy down and say no pool. The thing is, though, we are all about paying for things that move the needle in a massive way. You know, If you have the money, uh, like this is something that we're in favor of. Putting your money and aligning your, your personal finances and your goals uh, towards the things that are going to bring you the most joy. You know, it might mean cutting back in other areas like eating out or, or upgrading uh, to that fancy car or something like that. But if a pool is worth it to your family, then in our opinion, it makes perfect sense to try to work towards that dream. Yeah. Brandon, if uh, a pool is your craft beer equivalent, if that's yes. something that your, your family is going to reap major rewards from, then it's totally worth spending the money on it. But let's talk about the other side of it too. It's important to note that when you run the numbers, putting in a pool doesn't typically provide a great return on your investment. You know, some renovations, home renovations pay off pretty handsomely if you're doing a bathroom or a kitchen, right? But if you put in a pool, typically you only get back around 40% of the money that you put into it when you eventually sell the home. So it's important to make sure that you're going to want to be in the home for the long term because putting that money in and then moving a couple of years later is going to be a terrible use of that money. It's not great for resale. Yeah, this is an instance where you don't want to look at the numbers, right? You want to make sure that you're, you're doing this for you and your family. And Joel, like you mentioned, uh, this is something that y'all considered, but you decided to go with an alternative. Going to the Y is something that's working for you. Yeah, and sometimes that inflatable pool in the front yard too. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so What we're trying to say here though, Brandon, is we want you to consider the alternatives. We want you to consider maybe even something a little more affordable, something maybe uh, some would call cheap. Underground pools are, are really expensive, but you might be able to create a, a more redneck version by putting in an above ground pool and maybe even giving it uh, an in-ground feel by like renting a bobcat. You can kind of push around some of the earth, making it so that it kind of goes up to it on one side uh, or even kind of building a deck that gives it more of a premium feel. A contractor friend of ours actually did this over at their house early this spring, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic when they realized that they weren't going to be able to go anywhere for the, the time being. And I will say, it looks really good. I was really impressed with how great it looked. And I was surprised to see what they were able to do with an above ground pool. Personally, I wouldn't necessarily do this myself, but I also don't love pools quite nearly as much. And so this is something to consider because this is definitely a more affordable option. Yeah, I got to imagine the cost savings are 80% doing the above ground versus yeah, the in ground. It's going to make a big difference and it might provide almost as much or just as much joy as the in-ground pool would have. As long as you have a diving board. I feel like that's what kids love, man. They love like flying through the air, landing in the water. Diving board is pretty sweet, man. <laughs> I agree with you there. Uh, and, and Brandon, one of the last things you asked was about you know switching homes, buying another home and renting out the current one. And you're getting into just a really nuanced discussion here. Whether that's a good idea or not depends on so many specifics, like your monthly mortgage amount how much you could possibly get in rent, whether you'll be self-managing that rental or not, and how much has the value increased on your home since you first bought it. 
if it's gone up a ton in value and then you rent it out for a few years and end up selling it, you're talking about a whole lot of tax that you wouldn't have otherwise incurred. And at the same time, typically homes that a family might purchase for themselves, they don't always make great rentals as, as most owner-occupant home purchases are, are either nicer or bigger then would be suitable for an ideal rental. And one other thing that I heard you say, I really don't love the idea of you going from a mortgage with 17 years left on it to a, a, a new mortgage, a new 30-year mortgage. That in and of itself is maybe a reason to stay put, find a way to make it work and enjoy the house you currently live in because 13 years of extra debt, man, that's a, that's a lot of extra years of that hanging over your head. Yeah, man, I agree. And Brandon, there's just so much here to consider, right? I think either way, you can make a really good argument for staying, maybe even doing a refi, taking some of that equity, putting it into your own pool. You could easily make an argument for selling that home and taking that equity from that home and investing it. There's just so many great options here for you. A lot of it really does come down to what you're looking for in your own personal life. And so a lot of it truly depends on what your personal goals are as a family. It, it might be less about the numbers here and more about what it is that you're looking for. You know, If you don't necessarily have any personal ties holding you to that current home that you're in, maybe it's time to sell. However, if you really love your community and, and you feel that you could see yourself here for the next 16 years until your kids graduate, maybe going ahead with that pool and being able to use it for that length of time might be a wise move for you. In this case, it seems like it's more of a personal decision and less of a, a nerdy money decision. Yeah. If you can afford it, so much of the, the answer and what you decide to do really comes down to what your family wants and, and what y'all decide on together. So best of luck, Brandon, making this decision. All right, Matt, let's get to the, the next question. And this one is also home-related. It's about what to do once you've sold a home. What do you do with the proceeds? Hi, Joel and Matt. My name is Sarah. Uh, I'm calling from Wakefield, Rhode Island, and I'm a huge fan of the show. You guys have truly allowed me to take huge strides in my life by giving me the tools I need to have financial freedom and independence and just confidence in that. I actually bought my own house a couple years ago um, with your help, whether you knew it or not. I am selling my house uh, due to change in income. I used to bartend pre-COVID. The mortgage is just going to be too much for me to try to keep up. So that being said, I'm under contract. I bought at 220 and I am selling at 294 and I do have $10,000 energy loan to pay off at closing and about two grand in credit card debt, which I will be paying off then as well. I do plan on using some of the proceeds to max out on my Roth IRA. And I have a high interest savings account or what used to be, be a high interest savings account. And just wondering what to do with the rest of that cash. I will uh contribute to my savings account. So I have an emergency fund, which I haven't had before. So that's exciting. But I am looking at a large chunk of money and I don't know what to do with it. I will not need it in the next year. And I probably won't need it liquid until a couple of years from now where I may buy another house. Thank you for any and all of your thoughts. Cheers. Sarah, thanks so much for that question. And, and thank you for being a longtime listener to the podcast. You know, if you were listening two years ago and we were able to kind of help you along in your personal finance journey when it came to, to buying that first house, that means you're listening back during the, the poor, not poor days, not the uh, how to money days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For new listeners, we changed names at one point and how to money just had a better ring to it. Yeah. Yeah. Poor, not poor. It worked well when you saw it written out because it's like pour a beer, 
not poor, like being broke, but it was always just as awkward to explain like, like I just did <laughs> exactly. on the podcast. So exactly. we moved away from that. No doubt. Well, let's get on to, to Sarah's question. And Sarah, now is, uh, is a great time to sell. I mean, it's still an awesome seller's market considering the, the low interest rates that are out there right now. And I love your foresight, making a smart money move and not continuing to put money into a mortgage that's become unaffordable for you. Renting for a little while is a great idea. And it's a great idea for so many people. Homeownership is a fine goal to have. Matt and I, we own our homes. We own other investment properties. But at the same time, home ownership has reached kind of a cult-like status in our society. And renting has real merit. Now, we've talked about this before on the show that for a lot of people, buying a home is actually not the best way to building wealth. And renting for a longer period of time while you're A, saving up more money and B, investing more money, it can actually make a whole lot more sense for a lot of people. And it sounds like Sarah is making a, a smart decision for her budget and for her future right now. Yeah, renting just allows for so much flexibility, right? You can kind of reevaluate some life goals, try new things. It's easier to kind of uproot your life when you're just renting year to year than you know if you have a permanent home. Uh, so a quick mention too for anyone else with a mortgage who is having a tough time paying right now. But uh, another option might be mortgage forbearance. We've mentioned this before, uh, especially on Friday episodes. But you can head to the, the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac websites and enter in your information to see if you have a mortgage that is federally backed. If so, you can apply for forbearance where you would pause your payments for up to 180 days. And then on top of that, for another 180 days, there's uh, an option for a 180-day extension for a total of 360 days. So we wanted to mention that not for Sarah specifically, but for everyone else out there who might be in a tough situation. We're assuming you know this wasn't an option for Sarah, or maybe it wasn't enough help for her. Or maybe she's just wanting to take advantage of this great period within the market to go ahead and sell her house. Yeah, for sure. And, and when you are selling a house, Matt, one of the biggest costs associated with that is the realtor fees, right? And, and it's nice that Sarah's had a good run-up in the home's value in the past couple of years. Typically, when you only own a home for two years, you're going to be slightly underwater when it comes to the, the fees that you pay for selling a home. But Sarah's coming out golden, which is awesome. So depending on how much you put down, Sarah, you'll have a, a chunk of cash. But those realtor fees are, are going to be about 6% of the sales price. And so given the, the value of your home, that's probably going to be about $17,000. And it can feel like a, a bummer to pay those fees. But of course, that's what it takes to get a home sold in this day and age. After that, though, is the fun part. What do you do with all that extra money that you now have in your life? Yeah. So Sarah, everything you mentioned are, are great things to do. But it's also important to go in the right order since we're not sure of how much cash that you're going to have on hand. So first, you're going to want to make sure that you have an initial emergency fund set aside. Economists, they have found that $2,467 is a great place to start uh, because that'll get most folks through most small storms that life will toss at you. And then you can keep that in your high interest savings account. And, you know, like you said, you've seen that decrease. And so, you know, I think we're all kind of wondering if they should even be allowed to call their accounts high interest anymore. I know my high interest ally account used to be, you know, sky high with the rest of them for years there, but you know, we're just sitting at around 1% these days, man. But Sarah, that's definitely the the very first step that you want to make sure that you take. Uh, it's really good and exciting too to to have some peace of mind there. Yeah, next you'll want to go ahead and be done with any debts that you currently have that are over 6%, right? That's a guaranteed return on your money, and in particular when you're talking about savings rates that are so incredibly low, pay off that higher interest rate debt. Any super low interest rate debt, though, you can consider keeping around since you should be able to earn more on that, investing it into the market, 
into tax advantage retirement accounts. But we're not there yet. So after you're paying off those debts that are at a higher rate, then it's time to revisit that emergency fund. You're going to want to put more in it than just $2,467. That's a great place to start. But then you want to boost it to three months of living expenses. Now, once you have that in place, once you have three months sitting there in your high slash low interest rate savings account, (laughs) now you can start to invest. High-ish account. Yeah, now it's time to get investing. Now it's time to totally max out your Roth IRA, Sarah. Uh, So we're talking about $6,000 there. And even though you might fund that account all at once, you can still dollar cost average, by the way, by purchasing $500 worth of funds every month for the next 12 months, right? And then after that is when you might want to yet again revisit your emergency fund and, and then look to have not three months worth of living expenses, but maybe even boost that up to six months worth. Uh, especially these days, it's good to maybe have a little bit more than folks were more comfortable with, you know, even six months ago, right? Uh, but then beyond that, lots of individuals have seen the comfort that having a thicker cushion in their emergency fund, you know, what that's been able to do for them. But then, Sarah, beyond that, it sounds like you have some shorter term goals, you know, maybe another house, you mentioned that. Uh, and so for everything short term related like that, we'd recommend for you to keep that money still there within your high interest savings account. Maybe it's a house, but maybe it's something completely unrelated. Now is like truly the, the really fun part. But anytime you're trying to earmark some money for some shorter term goals like that, uh, you definitely want to make sure that you do keep that cash available and liquid and keep that in a savings account. Yeah. For people that want to be smart with their money, Matt, I feel like the decreasing payout in regards to a savings account, it's such a pain point because you know that you can make more money investing over the long haul. But if you're planning, like Sarah said, to buy a house in the next couple of years, you have to basically take that punch to the gut of a 0.75% interest rate on your savings. And and you have to deal with it because that's the only way you can ensure that you're going to have that capital still in your account when you are ready to move forward and use that money in the near future. If you put it in an investment account, who knows where the market's going to be in a couple of years. And you could really put yourself in a bad spot where you can't afford to buy that house because you made too risky of a move with short-term money. But Sarah, best of luck to you. Hopefully that gave you kind of like a step-by-step picture of how you should approach this money. And best of luck as you keep moving forward in your financial life. Yeah, man. That's it. All right. Five of five questions answered. It's time to shift gears, take it back to the beer, man. This episode, you and I were drinking a subluminal imperial stout. And you said it correctly there at the beginning. Listeners may have been like, what's subluminal mean? I actually don't know. But it's not subliminal. It's subluminal. It kind of has like a prettier sound to it. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, man, the, the beer was pretty beautiful too. It was a really dark stout, had a lot of bitter, dark chocolate notes to it, kind of like a Russian Imperial Stout style, which I am a big fan of. I actually prefer the darker stouts and the sweeter, more milk stout sort of stuff. I don't mind those, but I'll take a bitter stout over a sweet stout any day of the week. Yeah, I wonder if this is because this is an older bottle. I noticed on the label it says uh, it was bottled in March of 2017. And I think sometimes when you age stouts like that, the yeast continues to actually eat the sugars, which creates more alcohol. But it also means that the beer is less sweet. I'm not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. (laughs) (laughs) But I agree, man. It was a little more bitter. It kind of had like a bitter cocoa nibs flavor going on. It almost had this kind of oily and slick kind of earthy notes going on. It kind of reminded me of like soy sauce a little bit. Maybe that's because I'm I'm half Korean uh, (laughs) that I think that dark beers taste like soy sauce. But to me, it had it going on. But because it was a a more bitter style like that, it made it honestly really easy to drink. Sometimes when they're really heavy and sweet and sugary like that, 
you kind of, you know, you leave the last couple ounces in your glass and you almost don't want to finish it because you, you feel a little full. That wasn't the case for this one. I'm glad you picked this one up. And speaking of picking it up, I actually just picked up the bottle and the label is like rough. It's almost kind of like a fine grit sandpaper. I've never, yeah. I don't think I've ever felt a label like this before. It is interesting. By the way, it makes it really grippy. It said it was bottled <laughs> in March of 2017, but it's Best Buy March of 2022. So yes. stouts like this uh, can age well and can hold for a number of years. So I kind of like aging stuff from time to time. It's always interesting to see how a beer might develop while it's sitting on the shelf doing not much of anything. Kind of like Mike's money back in question one, passive income, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> these beers doing the work for us <laughs> while we're exactly. not drinking them. All right, Matt. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. For folks that want show notes, just go to our website at howtomoney.com. And for anybody that wants to submit a question to be featured on an upcoming Ask HTM episode, we would love to hear it. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask for the simple directions for how you can submit your voice question via email um, and shoot it on over to us. And for everyone out there who has left us a review, y'all are the best. Reviews uh, help others to find our show. And that's what allows Joel and I to continue this podcast, to continue to put out great content. Or average content. Or average. I mean, I would say average plus. Okay. All right. Yeah. People are going to listen to something that's good. This is good. (laughs) But if you haven't left us a review, you still have a chance of also being the best. Just head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a solid one over there. So Joel, that's going to be it, buddy, for this episode. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.